So here we are, right? This is our podcast. This is Pull to Open. <laughs> I feel like I got to yes. reintroduce every time. It's always so long. Okay, so this is this is us. This is Pull to Open. We're wrapping season 12 of Doctor Who. And there's a lot to talk about because we haven't talked about stuff since Jadoon. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not going to talk about everything. I mean, really, it's the last, the last few episodes. The... And, and thank you for advising me to just watch the last three because, you know, I want to be totally honest about what I've seen and about my feelings about this series in general, um, which are that, uh, you know, and this is a problem with Doctor Who in general. If, if it's not good, if I don't like it, it kind of almost hurts to watch it. Yeah, no, you, you know, mean. you think of the good times and then you watch a show that really isn't living up to them in your opinion. And it's, it's hard. So I, I had, I kind of stopped after Jadoon, mm-hmm. uh, kind of stopped a little bit before it to be honest but sure, um sure. i uh you know i was letting those those episodes just stack up well jadoon uh, jadoon breathed some life into yeah something like it was there was it wasn't flawless but it was like i i you know we talked about jadoon i liked it a lot um there were and there were problems but... for it definitely definitely infected me i i yeah. showed it to to my wife after we talked i believe and uh you know seeing it again i saw it I, I enjoyed it a lot more. Um, and, yeah, me too. Uh, you know, that gave me some hope, but I, I was still wary of the rest of the season and I got a little bit spoiled. Um, <laughs> I saw some images that I shouldn't have seen. I saw people talking about the timeless child reveal and whether it works or doesn't work. And I was like, oh God. Yeah, is... well, we knew we knew from Jadoon there was going to be mm. some big retconning coming our mm. way. So I was, I, I was able to steal myself. Yeah. Um, you know, wow, pun intended for the Cybermen. Yeah. Uh, but um, it, it there was well, there was a lot of stuff. Why don't we just go into it mm. one after another? Because I think we want to spend a lot of time talking about the last episode, right? Um, but there's there's a lot going on in sort of the run up. So the the first of the trilogy was the haunting of Villa Dioda. Does that sound right? <laughs> <laughs> Villa of Yoda. Uh, no, D- D- Diodati? Yes. <laughs> anyway. The v- Villa Diodati. Anyway, that, that place with Byron and Shelley. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I mean that parts of it were great. Um, there's It starts off really well with sort of mm. colorful guest cast. It's creepy, never really too scary. Um, there's a lot of banter. Um, but you're, you're kind of hoping it's going to lead up to something that's pretty substantial. And then it's sort of like the first half is this nice little lead up. And then, and then it's like all plot driven setup for the final two, you know? Yes. Which is sort of, you know, I, I, I get that the tribunal likes to do this, likes to throw in surprises like the, the appearance of the Cyberman who you're not necessarily expecting in this episode. Um, but at the same time, we're discovering, I think what, you know, the floor in Chibnall's plan is that he writes these episodes with way too many characters and they all, because there are too many of them, they get too little screen time on their own. So you don't really care about any of them. Uh, there are multiple plot threads going on here. You know, uh, we, we don't even really get much time with Byron. We certainly don't get much time with Mary Shelley. Uh, and then Percy Shelley appears And whereas we thought the episode was all about Mary Shelley and making sure she writes Frankenstein, 
she's completely forgotten and Frankenstein's completely forgotten by the end of it. And you're just sort of left to presume that yeah. she writes it based on the side man. But... Yeah, exactly. You kind of like, oh, okay, I guess she kind of gets that idea. I mean, even going down, you know, think about the Cyberman's handles and the sort of side things. It's like, all right, that's a little Frankenstein-y. And I, it kind of makes some sense. Uh, but I think you're dead on in sort of the interpretation of Chibnall and all of these things that you just like, oh, Jude, if you just cut out half of this and focused on mm -hmm. one thing. Like, I really thought the reveal of the Cybermen was kind of a letdown. And it was like it was a, a missed opportunity of like you could have made that way more dramatic because mm -hmm. they ha we haven't really even, you know, had enough time to build up an expectation on what this ghost thing is. We just know it's this thing. And, you know, we, we don't really know what the bad guy is at this point, but there could have been a mislead and a, and a reveal that was much more um, of a, like, holy crap moment, like, you know, like the end of Earthshock, episode one. Mm -hmm. Whereas mm -hmm. in this case, the Cyberman just appears, like, something like 20, 25 minutes in, and it's just like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> that's the and, bad guy. And, I mean, maybe you can tell me this because I didn't watch the intervening episodes, but was the, the whole threat of the lone Cyberman played up at all? in those in those episodes because it seems like no. it was just forgotten about <laughs> <laughs> not at all i mean not that i remember if it did it was like it was very forgettable uh, um, and, and also the, the I, I saw several comments on this uh, online that uh you know jack's warning captain jack's warning about the lone cyberman was so non-specific right as to be basically pointless he might as well have said don't do the thing <laughs> yeah i mean it's do better you know what i mean mm. like it's like if you're gonna bring back john barrowman and do it like do better if you're mm. gonna do this like go for another draft i totally agree like if you're going to have us expecting a lone cyberman then uh remind us that that's what we're expecting or just tell like have jack go look the siberium he can't have it it's gonna do this yeah. and i mean I, I don't know it was just it's very vague um, but you know, it's kind of the point also, you know, Jack never comes back, which is, yeah. I mean, I guess so it's okay, but it's like, what, like, I don't know. Like, I feel like they, they set up a bunch of stuff and don't pay those things off in the right way, you know? Right. And, and Jack is just one of those things. Uh, and, and all of this is sort of, it, it's kind of like the, the critique that people had about Stephen Moffat was it's all over the place. It's going too fast you know, and yeah. stuff doesn't necessarily get tied up. Uh, I never really agreed with that critique, but my goodness, I mean, Tribunal is making him look like Dickens in that regard. I know. Well, I mean, the, I would sort of, my critique of Moffat is not quite that. And I think, I think my critique does apply in that you can't just have stuff happen, mm. you know, like just because you have certain emotional beats you want to get to, you have to right. actually earn it through story. And I see some of that in in Chibnall just kind of interpreted differently. Like I feel like he makes really bad and confusing story choices. Um, although he's probably as effective, if not more, in terms of like me thinking, you know, like I really like the performances and I really like where you're going with this, and it almost doesn't matter. Um, and mm. honestly, if I'm being real, like most of Doctor Who is that way. You know, especially the old series when you really sometimes have to, like, especially the old series in terms of the visuals, you have to, like, think about what you're seeing as almost, like, iconography for what your imagination should be doing because <laughs> it's so bad. You know, you like, have, like, sea devils right. like being the, treated. This actually, 
this I, actually I happened. And they're running into walls. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, this, this is just the, the BBC's attempt to recreate what actually happened out there in the world of the Doctor. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, the BBC is doing it on a small budget, so they can't get it how it actually happened. Yeah, that, that's exactly. the approach you've got to take. So, so anyway, back to, back to the, the Mary Shelley episode. Um, so... You know, I feel like the the quote unquote dilemma at the end. So the doctor has to do I give the Cybermen what they want or this Cybermen thing? Um, mm. I thought it was a little weak. Uh, it was like this thing where she goes like, um, you know, if I don't do it, Shelley dies, and he's a writer, and his influence could that that that'll change your history. I just thought like, ah, uh, is that really the point? Is is your point that if he wasn't a writer or he was a nobody, it'd be okay? Yeah. <laughs> Just let him die. I mean, like, you know. And also internally, that the episode has given us no reason to care about Shelley. He's absent yeah. for the entire thing, and we're supposed to care about him. We've we've been made to care about Mary Shelley a little bit, but now suddenly we're we're caring about her husband. Um, and there is there is a potential through line, like you know, the doctor saying that if if he dies, then that sort of affects human history. And you have to really jump through some hoops, even as a uh, literature major, huh. to to understand how that happens. And I've seen, you know, people have talked about this notion that Percy Shelley was, his writings became influential eventually in the nonviolent movement. So he mm. was sort of indirectly influential on Gandhi and Martin Luther King uh, and, you know, the civil rights movement in the 20th century. But you it's have stretch, to though. really, yeah, that's, it's a stretch. And if you're going to make that case, you have to actually make that case on screen. Otherwise, we're not going to care. And I just really, I honestly think it's just the wrong case morally. You yeah. know, like, okay, I don't think that's the point. And I think, I think it's fine the decision she makes. You know, I just wish they had sort of picked a different path to get there. Like, you know, it's fine to go like, okay, we have to give the Cybermen what they want. And deal with the mess later um, so that we can sort of support whatever thing we're doing here. Uh, but, right. I mean, a yeah. stripped down version of that episode, you know, perhaps with fewer companions, that's sort of a, an ongoing theme of our discussions here that this doctor needs fewer companions, but also fewer people present at the villa. Yeah. Uh, there are just too many, you know, if, if we just pared it down to Mary, Percy and Byron, you know, get get the love triangle in there. Uh, perhaps with the the other Byron's other girlfriend, whose whose name I'm forgetting. Yeah, well, exactly. Uh, you forgot Claire, her, Claremont. and she has at least a good moment. And I got to say, there were a couple mm. good. You know, I, I can get behind the feminism of this episode. I thought mm. it was quite good. I really liked. I think I don't think we've ever quite had the Doctor quite so, or, or Jodie Whittaker's Doctor quite so directly. You know. Um, uh, confronting direct sexism against her when he's like, mm. you know, that, which I thought was actually a really good moment where he's like, oh, can I just say you're lovely when you're in a crisis or whatever? She's like, um, no, that's actually really not cool. And I like, okay, yeah, that's some good sort of modern feminism coming Absolutely. out in this moment. And it wasn't too wrong, you know, I mean, that she's, he's acting as allowed of that period. And yeah, he's, she he's has the right response. Wood. And that, that would be fantastic. Uh, had they sort of stuck to that, but the fact that the the episode ends with with Byron giving a great dramatic poetic sermon, uh, and you yeah. know Mary Shelley sort of silence, 
when it's not it was never really byron's episode and that was sort of the whole point yeah it just yeah it's like did you Weird did you decision, write right? this on three different days and forget what you'd previously written is this a you know uh is this a consequences game you know the parlor game where you <laughs> turn over the first piece of paper and you know your first paragraph and then someone else writes the next paragraph it really feels like that it was so disjointed yeah and man that ending holy slide whistle with the ghosts or quote-unquote mm. ghosts i mean there, there's a point where you know uh, graham is just like hey what about the the kid and the maid or whatever what like what are you talking about and it's like oh were they really ghosts we don't know and it's like okay <laughs> like right. first of all they were just around they didn't do a single thing except appear in front of Garam <laughs> and it's like maybe like I mean like what like who who thought that was a good idea that was a good story thread uh, right. I, I was just my my mouth was agape at that one like this is ridiculous why why did they have them in the first place yes it just it, the, there are so many ideas that shouldn't have made it past the, the drafting stage in this or should have been pared down um and I don't know what it is. I mean, if you, if you watch, certainly the, the first season of Broadchurch, right, you can see that the Chibnall is, is pretty good at pacing. Yeah. And and he gets sort of the the, the sense of giving a drama room to breathe, um, giving us time to get to know the characters and to care about the characters. You know, he gets that on a fundamental level, and I don't know why it isn't being applied here. I don't know what part of the process is preventing him well i mean it sounds ultimately like the difference between episodic and serial tv right so Mm. i mean uh, doctor who at its core is episodic and you know they're jumping from thing to thing so i feel like in an episode like this where you know again the the guest cast was very colorful all the actors seemed very capable and you know you've got the sense of a round character behind each one of them like you can't you know rush a whole season of Broadchurch in one episode, right? Which is sounds kind of like what he's doing. He just wants, he probably has all these great ideas to to execute on. And it's really like, dude, it's the 525 rule, right? I mean, sure, you have 25 great ideas. Pick the five <laughs> that you you can really focus on and, and really throw out the rest. They're going to be great, but like, they're just, you know, wisps in the wind just bad ships passing in the night whatever don't don't do them yeah i, I sort of feel like Chibnall would have done very well in the in the old in in classic who you know if right if, uh, 10 episodes had been, yeah exactly it would have been uh, four episodes at least yeah he could have had room for all of this and maybe then we would be wondering well who were those ghosts and how are they going to wrap that up and then it might have been a cool sort of shiver down your spine ending to say, uh, well, ghosts are actually real. Yeah. Um, I gotta you know, say, it sort of gets at the theme of this is a ghost story and it's about the creation of ghost stories, right? Yeah. Well, at least even though the the intro of Ashad, the sort of semi-converted Cyberman, was, could have been better, I, I did like mm. his design. I did like the yes. actor. Um, whatever, you don't really know his backstory or his motivation at that point, but you're kind of like, okay... This is something I haven't quite seen before in Doctor Who, and I like it. You know, especially as a as a guy who you know is a, a fan of the Cybermen. I thought, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, show us like a partial conversion. I mean, the the closest thing we've seen, I would say, is like uh, the Cyberwoman in Torchwood, um, mm-hmm. which was a little different. But um, you know, it was, it was a good choice, and I, it it had me thinking about, okay, where is this going? 
Um, yeah, he he would have looked great on paper, like uh, as a, as a concept sketch. You can see why why they went for him, right? But again, he's got so little room to breathe in this episode with everything else going on. Yeah, uh, that, he does again, have we, that we good. Really care about he does have that good moment with Mary Shelley at the end, where she tries to appeal to his humanity, and he completely mm. rejects it. Um, it almost looks like she's making progress, which was it was kind of a neat moment. It was memorable. And sort of right. sets the stage for for what we're um, for what we see next in the next couple of episodes. But ultimately, yeah, I, I got to say the haunting episode. I don't know. It, it, it uh, yeah, <laughs> it was like okay, <laughs> I, I, nice, I, nice try. Too too overstuffed. Yeah, but it, it like it at least got me excited for the next episode, right? Like okay, yeah, now we're same. gonna ditch the the character ensemble thing and. We're going to get into a full-on Cyberman episode in the future. Um, so <laughs> transitioning to that. Um, so Ascension <laughs> to the Cybermen, good title. Uh, mm-hmm. Got to say the cold open was really great. Good little piece of narration from Ashad. Floating cyberhead in space. Um, we'll get to the floating cyber bodies in space. I mean, it was like <laughs> they should have left it at that. You know, like, mm. okay, we got a floating cyberhead. Uh, but I thought the cold open was great. Um, and then you get, you know, they're they're on, they're in the far future where uh, presumably the Cybermen, well, not presumably, the Cybermen have like killed off of humanity. There's been this big war. All of that's fine and actually tracks really well um, with, if you remember the Matt Smith episode, Nightmare in Silver, like the Cybermen mm-hmm. continuity is all over the place. I mean, you know. Pick anything. Pick the, anything that's been in Doctor Who for 50 plus years, the continuity is all over the place. But there was a cool little reinvention with Neil Gaiman, the Neil Gaiman episode, mm-hmm. where um, he kind of was tasked with making the Cybermen scary again. And there was a uh, uh, the point of that episode, they were, they were like this intergalactic threat. In you know, it seemed like this is okay. This isn't just like the 25th century or the 23rd century. Like this is like the far future. The Cybermen still right. exist, and they've become a massive threat in the universe, um, which I thought was pretty cool. They never really followed up on it, but this is like one of the first episodes to kind of like, like directly acknowledge that that the Cybermen sort of exist far into the future and have a uh, have a big empire, or, and you know they're they're constantly a threat. It doesn't really track with some right, other they... future history we've done, but uh, it was good. <laughs> But it's it's cool to make them Dalek-like. Yeah, you know, you know, I got what you're saying. They're, they're a you know a wider, larger threat, and they're they're remorseless, and you know they will go on forever, and they will hunt you down. Uh, yeah, I love that idea. Nightmare in Silver, gotta say, classic example of an overstuffed episode. Uh, this yeah. Neil Gaiman has later said that was supposed to be two episodes, and Moffat just sort of relentlessly cut it down. Uh, and I think that was sort of the the, the lowest ebb of his um, his attempt to make sure that everything every story in the show needs to be just one episode no. unless it has a unless it totally changes track halfway through you know then it could have a second episode but that was sort of a good example of why that didn't work uh, when do we get the the Irish police station scenario when does that first come in oh that's a good question I think it was um Oh man, that is that is a really good question. Because uh, I feel like it was it was pretty close to the cold open, right? Uh, on the one hand, we're we're sort of we're excited for the arrival of the Cybermen, and then all of a sudden we're in a 
scenario in Ireland in the 20s with a an adopted baby. Yeah, I, and... I think that was... Um, I think that there's a little bit of fighting with the Cybermen first. I think the drones come in and there's some taunting of the survivors uh, by from Ashad. Um, that's mm-hmm. really good. I, I, I can't remember, but I just remember it was interspersed. So, yeah, you bring up a good point, though. Like, throughout the episode... We have this stuff with Brendan, with, uh, you know, he's the found baby. I mean, you know, we don't have to go over it. But I thought that stuff was effective. What I did not like is it was not paid off in this episode. You know, yes. it gets weird at the end where they're like, oh, his dad and the police captain are back and they have an age today and they zap mm-hmm. him. And you're like, okay, obviously this is some kind of simulation or whatever. But, you know, I feel like that storytelling, like that should have been paid off. Like, I feel like yeah. that was just the, the wrong storytelling, right? Like, you're not paying off anything. Totally wrong. You have the totally co- wrong. Yeah. And just insert it in there in a way that makes you think, wait, did someone change the channel? Am <laughs> I still watching the same show? It just, you know, <laughs> this would, if, if I was watching this live, it would be like, wait, did the cat just step on the remote? Um, because it makes it makes no sense. Why are we watching this? Okay, so they they found a baby, and you're assuming that this is going to tie in somehow to the the other story that we're yeah. watching on the screen. And it maybe it would have been cool in the next episode, although you already have so many so many threads to follow in that episode anyway. But it just yeah, it shoehorned in in a way that doesn't work. Yeah, it's like the it's. I get the idea. Obviously, after you watch the whole thing, you get the idea. But it it's it's just bad storytelling. Like you should have paid that off in that episode and not have forced us to watch another episode to sort of get it, especially because it was just sort of this window dressing. Um, mm. Yeah. So we, we have limited. I I don't want to say we you know limited brain power. I, I feel that people can absorb much more complex stories than than showrunners often give them credit for, but. We we have lim- a limited amount of care, right? You know, dead on. That's a good. <laughs> and, we're we're if, not if quite emotionless the way the Cybermen yeah. are, but we do like eh. We're like, come on, you got, got you got to give me some reason. This thing is is affecting the life of you know the characters I care about every week. Right. Otherwise, it's just like no, yeah, yeah. So we we don't really have enough room or time to care about the. The people of the far future. Yeah, um, again, good guest cast. I'm glad they killed mm. off like half of them right away. Mm. Which I gotta say, like, okay, I thought the beginning, honestly, the whole backstory of this far future is a bit confusing. So you're we're supposed to believe this is like ver- pretty much the last seven humans in existence. I mean, they mm. they hedge a little bit with the dialogue. Okay, fair enough. But this is the last seven people, and then these two cyber shuttles come. And the implication is that both the Cybermen and the humans are on their last legs, right? Mm-hmm. That they've, mm-hmm. they've killed each other to, to the point where there's only a few left on each side. Um, which kind of doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, like usually wars end with sort of more of a decisive victor or, one, or you know, someone, someone's more on top. But okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole first sequence of the humans getting hunted down is giving a very strong impression that the Cybermen are powerful, you know? And I, were, were you also thinking when I was watching that, like these Cyberhead drones come in and zap, 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 and then they just stop? And it's like, well, wait a second. <laughs> what, what, 
You were doing great. Like, why did you turn around and leave? Like, you were killing. You killed. Just killed three of them. You only have four to go. Yeah, and it's that they're supposed to be remorseless. You know, they're supposed to be relentless. They, these drones should have just gone on wave after wave. And yeah, it was very clear that it was just they had limited uh, drone CGI budget. <laughs> for for these heads, um, well, I don't know. It'd been cool was... to see if you could actually stick a head on a on a real drone. Well, I mean, it also like it implies like okay, yeah, the drones go away. Oh, the Cybermen are going to come, and that's going to be even more badass, which is fine. But it's also like the three Cybermen come. One of them's a Shad, who is you know half Cyberman, and the other two just look rank. Like and mm. it's just like, well, wait a second. Like, okay, are the Cybermen powerful or aren't they? Like. Yeah. They clearly have two very well, you know, functioning shuttles here. Um, good drones. And then it's like, oh, no, wait, there's only three. So are these the only three Cybermen left? Is that sort of the implication? Because Ashad's with them. And then I thought, well, wait a second. What is Ashad doing here? He just got the Siberium. And now he's, like, yeah. running around killing the last few refugees. I mean, like, why not just go and rebuild the Cyber Army like you said you were going to do it? I, I had the impression that maybe this was earlier, Shard. Um but but yeah, very, very confusing. Yeah. Um uh, not enough reason to, to care about any of this. And, uh, well and it just it doesn't it, make any sense. I mean here's the like I, I gotta care about the story. It has to kinda mm. make sense, you know? And like I guess I get I get what the the setting is, but like all of this is supposed to be the backstory and it just doesn't work. Um mm. and you know, like the doctor runs off and, and they there's a bit where they're running back to the cyber fighter or whatever it is. And the door opens like they're running toward it. And it's like, well, wait, a you know, the door opens, they get it going, you know, and they, they fly off. It's like, OK, like if if this is like a cyber shuttle and mm. their only opponent really is like the human empire or whatever, like. Would wouldn't it be kind of hard for three humans just to casually like like do you ca capture one of their fighters? Do they think about security at all? I don't know. Like, I mean, I know I'm nitpicking here a little bit, but I'm just like, come on, guys. Well, it also okay. Two two things to mention. First of all, before I forget it, the the three weapons that the Doctor brings right. that are all supposed to be uh, you know useful against Cybermen. I believe they were all three weapons that that she's used before. In previous Cybermen battles, so it was sort of a, a little yeah, nod was... to exactly. the hardcore fans. Like, look, see, we remember, uh, we remember these things, and then and then they're just completely useless uh, in in this whole attack. So, what was the point of that? Except a a sort of a, a too reference. obvious attempt, yeah, too obvious attempt to placate old old school fans who. I don't think that's going to work on them. It's you know it seems a bit uh, patronizing. Yeah. Um, but secondly, and this this is not a problem unique to to this episode or this series, but whenever the Doctor just runs away without the TARDIS, I, yeah. and leaves the planet without the TARDIS, I'm I'm always I, I get anxious about that. <laughs> Maybe it's because I I you know one of my constant anxiety dreams is leaving luggage. <laughs> no, that's, that's <laughs> leaving luggage, losing house keys, you know, and and the Doctor is just so cavalier about going off planet, far away from the TARDIS, and you know it's going to be resolved, but it just like this is, this is your ride. Well, uh, you they got it. You no have the to pay attention to the show. Like I do believe 
sometimes that's artist is as a plot device overused. I do get mm. that. And I do get it's like it's such a powerful thing within the show that if the doctor has access to it, you know, a lot of things would end instantly. So I, I do understand the need to write around that, but you have to write around that. You know, like why is she why did she park the TARDIS so far from where mm. they are? Like she says at one point you will never make it to the TARDIS in time. Well why not? Like why didn't you park it over the next hill? <laughs> like uh, why why did you park it so far away or that which just seems to be the implication um like you, you know, need in the, in to the address classic this series stuff. the show is yeah, the, the show. classic series my all, my heart would always sink in in the classic series when i'd watch an episode where you know it's it's episode 1 of a new serial and you see the doctor and their companion leaving the tardis from the outside we don't even get an interior shot yeah and uh and you just know that we're not going to see the tardis again until the end of episode 4 and they go back in when everything's resolved. And I, I used to hate those serials, yeah. you know, I, and, and love it whenever we got some TARDIS moments in between, whenever the doctor used the TARDIS in some clever way, like, you know, I, yeah, I get, I get that it's, it's extremely powerful and it's, it's a bit of a superpower and you can't turn the doctor into superhero, but there are clever ways to write the TARDIS in without making it, you know, overmatched. Yeah. Uh, no, definitely. And, and yeah, they do and, do and it well even, in some of those old episodes. To not even see them leaving it at the beginning of the episode. Uh, yeah. So, yes. you know, I'm, I am I have to sort of talk about, like, some of the things I actually liked about the episode. <laughs> Obviously, I thought okay. the story was terrible. But I did like how the Doctor, um, like, her... Almost her performance, like almost uh, Jodie Whittaker's performance, almost seems to acknowledge some of the the inevitability of the Cybermen. Like she, the, the, the Cybermen are treated very, very seriously um, in ways they sometimes aren't. You know, like ever since the Daleks smacked them around, insulted them <laughs> way back in Doomsday. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since, like you know, they had sort of a pathetic. Uh, sort of conversion with uh, uh with Craig and like cold closing time you know they, they they're not they haven't had sort of great um gravitas to their threat yeah um, i mean they, they were blown up in uh, good man goes to war uh, exactly. in the cold open they were never really treated oh, super well during the moffat mm-hmm. years and you know again there's, there's a lot of issues with this story and we we've only really covered about 20% of them but mm-hmm. they're at least given that the 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 gravity of of a of a you know multigalactic threat that they should mm-hmm. be and it's and you really feel it like with how sort of Whitaker talks about them how she deals with them and how she's sort of like you know she she's in the far future where they've hunted the humans and she's kind of like this is kind of what happens and it sort of it lends a little more uh, illuminates her line from a few episodes ago where the Cybermen they're always out there they're always waiting you know which again was another sort of bit I liked from from the Jadun episode. Um, mm. So even though they, they kind of, this, I don't really earn it in this episode in the in a sense. I mean, they're, they're there uh, because again, at the end, even though they're given all this weight, you have these, this big cyber army on this carrier running after, you know, Graham and everyone else who's, who's there. And, you know, they're, they're basically stormtroopers, right? They're like yep. shooting and they're missing. And, you know, I'm I'm kind of okay with stormtroopers missing because you know they're actual guys in there and maybe they all just you know didn't show up for target practice when they were getting trained but like machines should not miss really that much 
Yeah. Uh, and they do. Uh, and of course, you know, I get the sort of need, but I, again, you should write around that that sort of thing. Um, also, did you wonder, like, okay, so they, uh, Graham and Yaz and, and the other two or three rebels sort of crash on this cyber carrier, and they're all like, hey, we can take this thing to Koshamis or wherever and go to the boundary. Yay, 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 we're saved. And And everyone's so cheery. No one's thinking, like, maybe there's some Cybermen still on board and we should check that out, like... Until they actually do, like, it, it it was just so weird. Yeah, motivations are all over the place. And and suddenly we're talking about Koshalis, and, uh, and that's, like, it's it's too much to keep track of Yeah, in well, your head at one time. And in the middle of it all, like, they, they've introduced the death particle. Yeah. Which is like, do you need the death particle? I mean, we ultimately need it at the end of the, the final episode, but, like, you're just like, come on, guys. Yeah, it's it's Doctor Who Mad Lips. Yeah, it really is. It's just that there are too many blanks being filled in by random things. Yeah. So anyway, speaking of Koshamas, man, mm. like it's like this guy like uh, came out right out of central casting for like whatever role would have gone to Charlton Heston <laughs> in today. Like, you know, it was like what? Like this guy? Like, I mean, it was just. I don't know. Like I, I, I thought he was so stock that there must have been something sinister about him. Like maybe that was an intentional mislead. Yeah, because like well, that, that actor, I, I forget his name, but he's so great in uh, Dairy Girls. Have you seen that? No, I have not. Uh, highly recommend that. A hilarious Netflix comedy set in Derry slash London Derry uh, during the Troubles in, in Northern Ireland. Uh, in the in the early nineties, and he plays this uh, you know the Catholic grandfather who just hates his son, and you know the the whole implication is he wants his son to, to die throughout the, the series, and it's just you know doesn't think his son is worthy, his son-in-law rather is worthy of his uh, of his daughter. Um, nice, but he's he's such a great character and so well drawn and played with such an extremely. <laughs> Irish accent uh, that it just it was bizarre to see this same guy here you know suppressing his Irish accent and just kind of doing this very rote generic role of old man last survivor of humanity in a rag strewn outpost at the edge of the galaxy it just it's yeah it feels like a uh, a waste of a very good character actor yeah, I, I'm. I'm um, yeah, I mean, I, I was. I, I I had to actually rewatch it to sort of remember like what his point was and what he was doing. I kind of knew he was the guy that ushered people through the void or the portal or the boundary or whatever they called it. And then, honestly, like I completely forgot everything he did until the very end of the final episode. And it was just he's there to do a thing, right? He's not like a mm. real guy. Um, and I gotta say, I, I, I'm looking at my notes for this episode, and they increasingly turn to all caps <laughs> as we get toward the end. It was, it got so frustrating. And I'll give the episode credit for get, getting me invested, so that I was like, "What?" But like, there's this bit where Ashad and the other two rank-looking Cybermen are freeing the sort of battle battle dress spiderman i forget what they call them warrior class i don't know and mm. they start torturing them or something yeah and, and it's making just like 
with the whole purpose was for that line of like, you know, who is so evil that they can make a Cyberman scream. Yeah, and I, I go like, I wrote in all caps, what the hell are Ashad and co doing to the Cybermen? And it's like, it's just for that line. Like, it doesn't alter the Cyberman's behavior in any way. Like, it doesn't, do, like, it's like, why would, what are you doing? Like, it doesn't make any He's sense. Like torturing them to bring them back to life. But I mean, they were already awake. Like, they raised yeah. them. Like, like, what? It's really just a mood thing. And you can't just, you can't do that. <laughs> Bending them to as well. I mean, this, this episode is sort of, I I think probably the worst episode that I've seen of the season so far yeah. because it is so incoherent. It's not. It's really so incoherent. The place. Um, and I think the best thing you can say about it is that it's a collection of nice lines like that, you know, uh, which in in a proper context might send a chill down your spine, um, and nice images like the cyberhead drones, um, but just stitched together in such a way that you just don't care about it yeah i have to agree it's a bunch of ideas but it's a mess i mean it's just all mixed together it's a bouillabaisse of of just here's some neat stuff that would have you know if we had we focused on one or two might have mm. been a pretty good awesome uh episode but it, they, it just thrown all together it's just it's it kind of reminds me of have you ever had doctor who dreams have you ever <laughs> sure. dreamt a full episode of doctor who and then you you lie awake afterwards and you're like this is that was that was so cool, and this happened, and this, and then you start to realize that actually it was so much of it was dream logic, and it's actually not a very good story. Yeah, you know that's totally that is what I was reminded of. Yeah, it was it was a nightmare in silver, shall we say? <laughs> um, so then, of course, the master, and then the master appears yep. at the end. You know, grins his Cheshire grin and is all about be afraid because everything is about to change forever, um, which is fine. It's a fine line. It's a, it's pretty on the nose. There hasn't been an on the nose in a line like this ever since Freddy versus Jason when someone actually said in the movie, it's Freddy versus Jason, place your bets. <laughs> Everything is about to change for. I mean, only the master can get away with lines like that. Yeah, to be honest. it was yeah. fine. I was good. Um, but then we jump jump to the last episode, which is the timeless children. Um, well, we also, I mean, we, we should mention before we leave uh, the Cyberman episode that the uh, you know Koshama says that he it, the, the boundary he didn't see that through the boundary before Gallifrey, right? And we don't know whether he means Gallifrey or Gallifrey burning. Right. You know, so again, that is completely up in the air and weird. Interesting. And how did the boundary just change? Um, and it just sort of, oh, makes well, my head hurt. It makes me wonder, like, honestly, I really thought this was going to be part of the payoff. Like, what was mm. the boundary in the first place, right? Like, where did everyone right. go? Which we never really find out, as I recall. And you, they're all sort of presumed somewhere. Right. I did wonder after that if they were all supposed to be, you know, this is, the, the remnants of the human race actually founded Gallifrey. Or you know, I, I was actually thinking something even more sinister, that this guy was either working for the Cybermen or the Master right. and, like, just you know, sending these people to die or to be converted or something something terrible. Um, but you never really find all that. And then, so anyway, then we, then we, we jump to the next step and it's all about, uh, well, changing everything forever. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to just cut right to it do you want to just cut through the, through the reveal and like yes. talk about our feelings and you know all the cyber stuff whatever 
Ashad being shrunk. Actually, I kind of liked because it was it was unexpected. I mean, in the previous, I know we just stopped talking about the previous episode, but the previous episode when they like, oh, there's a derelict cyber freighter here or whatever. Like it made the whole last twenty minutes really really predictable, mm. and at least you know I like that. Ashad getting shrunk just sort of 20 minutes in like okay whatever you know we're done with this guy the yeah. mask the mask is the I, I real love that the mask is into shrinking things again yeah. that's cool uh I love that he didn't know if it was going to work or if the if the death particle was going to go off so you sort of get the sense that he has that death wish um and I love you know one one last thing on the Cyberman I love the design of the cyber time lords oh my god it was so great yeah they, it's too bad they were like didn't really get anything to do other than regenerate one time. And, you know, they, uh, uh, they, I don't think they even had any lines. (laughs) The cyber masters were pretty inspired. I was like, okay, this is, this is actually not a terrible plan. Um, And it it looks, you know, again, another thing that would have looked cool at the design stage. Like, yes, cyber time Lord, I am in. I could see someone like drawing that as like doodling it on the back of a notebook and just like, Mm. I've got to do this. You know, yeah. at some point because it looks just looks too damn cool. Um, so yeah, it was fine. Um, but you know, like, okay, well, we'll, we'll get to the the sort of how we feel about the big reveal. But structurally, I didn't like the episode just because it it puts the doctor. You know, she's just this sort of passively, and I, I realize there's a lot of exposition, but I mean, mm. you got to get through it. But she's sort of in this very passive role through a good chunk of it. And yeah. she's just kind of sitting there or standing there, and the master's just like, "All right, here's here's all the secrets, or you know, <laughs> except for where you're from." Um, so structurally, that didn't really work for me. Um, and I also just didn't like like the end, her final decision, and um, you know, they they're basically like, "Okay, you could kill us all right now with the the bomb or whatever." And, uh, or you could, you could not, (laughs) you know, like, Mm. like it's the same decision she was forced to make way back in, um, God, the first season with Chris Eggleston, you know, like, except it was the Cybermen this time and not the Daleks, uh, you know, Mm. kill us all. And that, that was really good. This didn't feel right. And then someone else comes in and blows up everything, but she doesn't even, like she just kind of like passively, uh, yeah, I guess, hands it to Koshanis yeah, and well, like, I guess my hands are clean now. Yeah, and uh, which is like morally is really uncomfortable, but it also like, I mean, not to nitpick again, but as a, as a as a set piece, as an action scene, it makes no sense at all. <laughs> like, mm. like they're just letting people run in this room and no one's grabbing anybody and no one's shooting anybody. Like, at least under Davies, they made some attempt to do like reasonable like reactions of people like i remember in um journey's end you know when the doctor and everyone are in sort of prisons and people are running in trying to do these last minute rescues there were like people getting zapped Mm. (laughs) like or shot and like thrown into prisons immediately before they can actually do anything whereas this is like the cyber the cyber masters are just kind of like standing around while so-and-so comes in and is going to just blow up the whole planet? I mean, like, okay, I guess. Mm, maybe enough of that uh, Time Lord non-interference has, has seeped <laughs> into their to their souls. Uh, 
Yeah, it just uh, another decision that just doesn't hang well and is kind of weird, and you're still trying to process so many other things at that point. Anyway, uh, yeah, not least of which is we well we should probably deal with the fact that the uh, the reveal of what the whole police Irish police episode from the previous episode was. Oh yes, uh, because that is one of the things that you're trying to figure out. Um, in in your head, as you you've been blown away by this timeless child reveal. You know, I don't think to this together. I honestly don't think the episode explained it that well because I didn't really mm. f- like I kind of got it, but then I had to sort of read online after, like, oh, okay, so that was like the Matrix shielding stuff, and but then you're like, well, wait a minute, why was it Irish? Yeah, you know? apparently the, the the Matrix had just read some James Joyce and <laughs> wanted to. Uh, I mean, it reminded me of a, of a book that, oh, what was it called? The Third Policeman? Right. Uh, Flan O'Brien. I mean, may, maybe that was, uh, it was a reference to that, but I don't know. My goodness. Why? Why? Someone else pointed out that Doctor Who has apparently never uh, visited Ireland um, throughout its oh, entire Oh, wow. Run. Not even for those sequences. Yeah, because it wasn't even, well, you know, it wasn't actually shot. Sorry, there, Ireland. It wasn't even real. Uh, it's just island is just a metaphor now uh-huh. um, and it's a metaphor for the doctor being uh, forcibly regenerated multiple times well, and having his child. having his or her memories erased sort of mm. on a regular basis I'm not sure if I'm not sure if the implication is this has happened many times or if it's only happened once mm. um, though I did see on Instagram I think someone you know throw together a good graphic of like okay based on this episode here's what we think the doctor's life is and you know reading a lot like basically taking every face that we saw in that episode in the brain of morbius obviously the people we know um whatever future stuff there may be or have hints of like uh i think this might even honestly this big reveal of the doctor being sort of this immortal infinitely regenerating being you could even explain things like um, whoever Merlin was way back in uh, Sylvester McCoy episode uh, hmm. Battlefield, right? Uh, wow, that's that's a deep cut, right? <laughs> uh, but it, it, yeah, you, you could theoretically explain the Valiard. You could explain all of these these loose ends that we've had. Well, I gotta say, like uh, the reveal, obviously, like I gotta see someone do the ultimate weighting of how many plot problems it creates versus how many you know, things like that, it solves, right? Because <laughs> like, mm. I think it's probably, there'd be no contest. Like, it creates way more problems than yeah. it than it solves. Um, that said, I got to tell you, I don't hate it. I don't hate it either. Yeah. I think that, you know, the, the show has been a little stale for a while. It is a, what is it now, 55-year-old show? 57? 57, yeah. It'll be 57 Damn, 60th is wow. coming up. Yep. <laughs> oh, God. What on earth are they going to do for that? Um, but, yeah, I like the idea of trying to reinvigorate it by going back to a period that we don't know anything about. I kind of like the idea that it's it's all came to us through the master. So if you really hate it, you can your head cannon can be the master was lying. Right, you know, or the master says this matrix. I don't think we're supposed to read it that way, but it at least allows you that wiggle room. Um, 
Yeah, the and show. Yeah, I, the show. I don't mind the idea in theory, but just to to shoehorn it into an episode where it is literally intercut with two other scenes that we care nothing about. Yeah, or we might have cared about in other contexts, but to cut from the Doctor finding out that our entire life has been a lie to you know Ryan discovering that he can shoot a basketball after all, uh, right? It just how can you watch that in in the editing suite and not get that that is so completely mismatched? Like our, our attention should have been totally focused on the on the timeless child reveal. Uh, it should have been an entire episode by itself. A hundred percent. Yeah, and it's it's sort of. I mean, it's it's uh, the the crowded TARDIS wouldn't be so bad if you had someone who could focus, you know, who was mm. sort of really guiding it. But it's really. This um, most episodes are, are just this, this kind of grab bag of of just throwing everything in. This one included. I'm, you know, at least it 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 consciously you know killed off a couple of those like you know with Ashad getting sort of shrunk halfway through. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got to say the the whole reveal. To your point, yeah, I'm I'm I totally think it's okay to go back to the shows core source code and see what you can sort of change up because it's like mm-hmm. i we we already saw i mean over 50 years but we had 50 years of of you know 12 or 13 doctors regenerating we we had these rules he only does 12 and he got got another cycle ostensibly at the, the end of the matt smith era mm-hmm. and is it like okay we we just keep doing that you know it's a franchise it'll probably exist for another 100 years or you know whatever <clears throat> but I like the idea of like going back and like, okay, no, that's actually, you know, not necessarily what we're going to do. Like we can, we can, we'll keep going, but in different ways and, and telling stories differently. And, you know, it doesn't make everything okay in terms of like all the weird liberties they took, the master now being bad again when they sort of did a lot, um, to sort of uh, with the Capaldi doctor and, and try to rehabilitate that character. Um, so I, I respect what they're doing. I don't hate the decision and even what they did. What I don't like is that Chibnall doesn't really seem to have that same reverence the way Davies did for what had come before, even though he's clearly, done his homework right like you mm-hmm. know there were bit, little clips of the brain of morbius and yep all that stuff yeah i i saw that and and thought you were, you were going to be pleased at that yeah i i, I was i would i wish i was more pleased you know it mm-hmm. was like i you know i at that point it would be it became kind of almost obvious what they were doing and so um yahoo i was right but uh, it's more like davies when he would he'd do these sort of off the cuff references I don't know. There, there was just seemed like there was more respect there. There was more, you know. I, I want to get there, Chris. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're not leading me uh, the right yeah. way. I don't like the journey, and I should like the journey. Well, well, Davies made the the big, you know, show changing decision to kill off most of the time lords, right? Yeah, uh, and that was very slowly revealed over the course of the first few episodes. The Doctor was now the last of his race, and we started to learn about the Time War, and then in Dalek, you know, we start to get more details. And that's the right pace, right? You know that the 
the show has got something big to tell us old school fans about what has happened while the show has been off the air and it knows that we can't swallow it all at once um and if the timeless child had been done at that pace i I think that we would be able to accept it a lot more um if it had been over the course of a season um but it's really not. We get one mention of the Timeless Child in... In Jadoon. Uh, there was another one... Was it, wasn't there one in, in Jodie Willis's first first season? In Ghost Monument, maybe? Ooh, uh, I don't know. I feel like it, it came up earlier, but it just sort of very quickly gets forgotten. So yeah, I feel like he's, he's taken the wrong lesson from uh, The Last of the Time Lords reveal. Um... And he's also sort of taken the wrong lesson from uh, how skillfully Moffat inserted an extra doctor uh, with the war doctor. Um, yeah. Which is, oh, well, now this this is, now I have carte blanche to, to just introduce old doctors willy-nilly and completely mess with the, the whole regeneration history. Which is fine if you're going to do it, just build up to it. Well, and also convince us you've thought about this from every angle. You know, yeah. like you can't just sort of go like, I like what I'm doing. I'm going to focus on these things and someone else can figure out the rest. Like, even if you don't end up using all of the stuff, like convince us you've thought about it, you know, mm. like and that's, uh, you know, there was all uh, a lot of online chatter about this is him picking up the, the baton of the Cartmel master plan, so to speak. But I, I, I think... You know, I don't know. I'd have to see look at interviews, but I mean, uh, Andrew Cartmel sort of a- knew where he was kind of going with it, and mm. knew what he was, uh, how to sort of reconcile and respect what had come before, because you can't just like ignore it, like and and or sort of pick what you like, and and uh, you know, especially stuff that the fans have invested in over such a long time, like. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I have complex feelings about this episode because, again, I do want the show. I'm a fan of reboots. I'm a fan of, you know, retconning when you can do it. Um, I just don't think he has done the care to do it. It's not something you should do lightly, and he feels like he's done it very lightly here. Yeah, the Cartman master plan was, was a master plan, right? And right, was, yeah. <laughs> you, I mean, the Dalek master plan took 12 episodes. You've got to, <laughs> you've got to invest a lot of time in making this happen, in, in revealing this. And it was supposed to be a multi-season reveal that was cut short by the by the death of the show. Um, but yeah, he, he's tried to... Chidwell has tried to do a multi-season reveal in one episode. Yeah. And, and not even that, in one third of one episode while intercutting to uh, completely pointless scenes. And it just... I, I mean, it's staggering. Yeah that he thought that would work and that he thought that we would need something to cut to because this isn't interesting us enough. Um, but we were texting a little bit before, um, you know, once I'd actually seen the episode and I, I said, I think the word here is salvageable. Right. Um, and, and, and I do believe that. And it's, I don't hold out much hope now that this is going to happen, but if the show now explores the implication. Uh, of the Doctor being the Timeless Child. If we slowly, over the course of many episodes, you know, let this seep in and have an occasional reference to it and, you know, maybe the Doctor is haunted by it. Uh, maybe a few other Doctors from the past show up. 
Right. Uh, that would be then huge. That would be great. And there, there is one particular plot hole that I cannot let go of uh, that I really hope is resolved, but again, don't have, hold out much hope. And that is why did Dr. Ruth have a TARDIS in the shape of a police box? Yeah. I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure they're going to explain that somehow. Um, maybe. I don't know. Some maybe they will. Attendant media. Someone you know, will explain the, it. They'll leave it to big finish. I mean, I love the idea. It, it, that could be a springboard for an excellent reveal that actually, you know, the Doctor thinks that she has free will and agency. Uh, and one of the more sinister implications of this, uh, of the, what is it, the Directory, the Directorate, I forget the, the name division. of the Shadowy Agency. The Division, yes. Why didn't they just use the Celestial Intervention Agency? I know, I right? Know. Um, but Why did they I have to create that, that another be... thing? Anyway, let's say the division is like the the NSA to the uh, to the CIA, <laughs> um, and I I like that idea, and I like the idea that the the Doctor has less agency than she thought because it was all the division was was putting her to work all this time, and maybe every iteration of the Doctor thinks that they're going out into the universe and stealing a TARDIS, right? But it's it's actually it's all been planned in advance. They know. They know he's going to steal it, uh, and they they know that he's going to go to Totter's Lane. Yeah, you know maybe that is uh, maybe on on a parallel Earth. You know you you get every every time that that's the first location you go with a person who you think is your granddaughter. Which, by the way, I would love the reveal that Susan was actually a division agent all along <laughs> and uh, explain things nicely. I don't know, um, man. You, now you're you're kind of going with it a little too far. I, I, I'm not sure I like where you're going with all this. Uh, you mess with of, Susan, like, you go too far. Thing, I, I get where you're going with that. I feel like mm. it would make a a bad taste even worse. You know, I feel mm. like salvageable doesn't necessarily to me le- mean leaning further into it. Um, mm. Although, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you, you got to explain why why Doctor Ruth had had a TARDIS yes. in the shape of a police box. Uh, and there's a very limited period of time. And and this would also explain something that's hung over the show for years, and we've discussed previously on this program, which is why does the Doctor always go to England? Right. Why in-universe does you know, is the Doctor so drawn to this tiny country? Um, and the idea of it being a, a starting point for all divergent agents known as the doctor i i you know i like that we know we never we never had it explained why the doctor went to 1963 uh earth totters lane well, there's that uh, cardiff rift but then why not cardiff right yeah um yeah i I'm, I'm very split on that i'm i'm of the school like some things don't necessarily need to be explained in show um i think mm. and this isn't uh this is a is actually from Star Trek, but it's like the whole idea of like the Klingons changing appearance. Yeah, you know, like well, they they did actually uh, explain that, I believe they did actually end up yeah. explaining that, but it they, it was probably <laughs> not at all necessary to do. Like it was like, yeah, you don't have to do it. Like I mean, I get it. Like the there's there's a very practical reason why they do look different, but it's not necessarily. Um, I don't think there's anything to be gained by doing a big. Uh, explanation of it especially since any explanation kind of doesn't make any sense uh on some level um with I think the they, they were supposed to be mutants weren't they the the, the human looking the problem was so... i mean okay i don't want to get down this <laughs> <laughs> like there were problems with every interpretation because of sort of casting yeah. decisions and stuff but 
Um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I'm very like, I don't know if this is something to be at this point enhanced or fixed, I guess is my problem. You know what I mean? So would you rather that they, uh, ignored it altogether or you just want a few things tidied up? No, no. Uh, it's a, to me, this is a similar, problem of the Valyard but of a much larger scale you know mm -hmm. where the Valyard was like okay this thing which is a huge continuity mess um, there was actually a pretty explicit rule I believe in the intervening years that you just don't talk about him I think there was what <laughs> one book actually broke that rule maybe a couple um, because it, it was just like no leave it um, and so this is a, equally a continuity mess of a bigger scale which do we how much you know i guess it adds a bit like i mean i mean i'm just like you know the, there's the bit in the episode where whitaker essentially how she breaks out of the matrix she makes sort of a definitive statement about knowing who she is and that she needs to you know regardless of her past she needs to act do, do what's right now mm. and which is good you know it's kind of the inevitable conclusion for the hero character um so on on a show level, does it really change like structurally what she does? She's still going to be going running around, saving planets, um, doing stuff week to week. So no, um, so the show kind of can ignore it, right? Mm. Um, and on on a just to sort of get by, um, I don't know. I, I figure there's going to be some retconning again when the next showrunner comes in. Um, not necessarily reversing everything, but kind of making it, you know, the whole master line yeah. thing. I think that that will probably have a bit. That option, that option is out there, but then you, you're sort of, then you have to, you have to explain Dr. Ruth yeah. still, even you if do. the doctor was lying. Um, well, I mean, I hope, I wonder if anyone told that actor, you know, you know what you're in for now? <laughs> What's, who's the actor? <laughs> I don't know who played Ruth. But like you know, she's going to be doing big finishes. She's going to be doing guest cast. She's got. Mm. I mean, maybe that was a that was part of the deal. I mean, did you did you see? By the way, speaking of big finish, that uh, the curator is coming back. Ooh. Yeah, Tom Tom Baker is returning, not as Doctor Four, but as the curator. That's awesome. And there you go. We've explained the curator now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, uh, but no, he's the, he's supposed to be the doctor in the in the future right and um revisiting his old favorite faces yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> so maybe the doctor in the end gets captured by the uh god i've forgotten the name of the agency already directory yeah but Directors. i think i think we're agreed i i do think whatever happens the next season has to explore this and has to explore this in such a conscious and arced way that it's not just your regular sort of 10 episodes of whatever. I mean, you know, like I, I think we need, we need it to permeate throughout in the way this did not this season. Um, so yeah. When, when, when it was revealed that the doctor was the last, of the time Lords the first time around. And I, I guess she is again now. Technically. Yeah. Um, then it was, it, it changed the entire character of the doctor. And, you know, he was, uh, Eccleston was moodier. And and sad and a bit goth. Yeah, I definitely had a dark. Went around show. in a leather jacket. Yeah, so it it has to permeate somehow, 
and I know I'm, I, you know, I can tell I'm, I'm already going to be the guy who always calls for more, <laughs> more canon stuff, you know, more, more plot hole erasure, more tying in of old loose ends like the Valyard. Um, and I'm going to be constantly frustrated and disappointed well, as, that that doesn't actually happen. On as, the show. as long as they cool but, it on the teleporting, I think I'm going to be enjoying next, uh, <laughs> next year. Well, it's kind of an interesting start because she's like, you know, she's got the, uh, she's in prison now. So I yes. guess I got to deal with that. Uh, and the uh, next episode, the... the next episode's a Dalek episode. Yeah, and she's picked up the old habit of saying "what" when stuff breaks into the TARDIS, yeah. which is another nice uh, RTD reference. So, okay, so yeah, salvageable. We'll see what happens. Um, so ultimately, what did you think? I mean, uh, on the, on this last sort of trilogy, was it? Do you wish it hadn't happened, <laughs> or are you? I I wish it had happened over the course of let's say ten episodes, um, because there was so much going on that it really needed more room to breathe. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think you could probably erase the, the the lesser episodes of the series and make it make it less episodic and more of a more of an arc and stretch it out a little bit more. Um, but yeah, my immediate response was just, I'm exhausted. Yeah. I need to lie down. I need to, I need to process just what happened. And I, I also just need to like, you know, you, you've made my brain work too much in making me try to care about so many characters and so many reversals of fate. Um, well, but you know, Dr. has got to move forward and I, I appreciate that it's doing so. And I, rather, rather that than it not being on screen at all. And I'll keep watching, but I do almost feel like it's going to move forward without me in, in some ways. And mm. like, I'll, it's a little bit like, uh, I want to be excited about a new season. I, I'm kind of anticipating the next, the next season with gritted teeth, right? Mm. Like, I'm like, oh, I hope it's good. Like, I mean, like this was kind of okay. There were some moments and I like the ideas, but I, I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I I often go back to some Davies episodes and even some of the early Moffat stuff mm-hmm. with Matt Smith and uh, my wife and I watch and she often comments like, oh my God, this show, it's so different. Like it feels so different watching these old episodes. They're so much better. She says that all the time. Like, uh, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, they were, you know, like. I, I do think that most of the Moffat era will, will be seen as, as classic yeah. Uh, in retrospect, and I've, I've long thought that. But yeah, maybe we we have to start talk of, talking about how, you know, everyone's got their doctor that they started with, right? It's usually their favorite doctor. Yep. Uh, Davison, that, right here. That's is the, the doctor. For me, it was Tom Baker. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but you also, I, I feel like everyone has, has, a, has a point where they tap out. Huh? And maybe they tap out temporarily. Um, for me, it was Time of the Ronnie. Um, it you know as soon as we didn't get a proper Colin Breaker regeneration, and I, I was not a Sylvester McCoy fan. He was very much for me connected with um, British kids shows of of the eighties. He was yeah. all over uh, BBC in the eighties, so he was just inextricably linked with those roles. He didn't feel like the Doctor to me, um, and maybe that's okay because you know I came back in with a new series and and it was all good, but. Um, yeah, we, we can keep talking about this going forward, but maybe we just sort of make it okay if you want to tap out of Doctor Who for a, for a season or two. It doesn't mean you're not a fan of the show. Yeah, no, I would agree. I, um, I'm probably not going to tap out in 
sort of practice, but in spirit in some ways. But yeah, I've, I tapped mm-hmm. out. Like I started with Davison and Colin Baker did not like, mm-hmm. um, sort of tapped out a bit there. But, you know, watching it in the States was a little tough anyway. I was actually in Canada. Mm-hmm. As you, you know, PBS would get it months and months after it was broadcast in Britain. Um so I never, you know, I kind of, ta- I was forced to tap out and then I just kind of just wasn't into it. And then the show was canceled a couple of years later. So I was like, oh, okay. Hmm. Um, well, I'm, I'm excited though, you know, we've we got time to decide whether we're going to watch the next season, but I'm excited that, that you and I can get back to start talking about episodes we really like. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so thank you. Like we've, we've been critiquing a lot. <laughs> So thank you everyone for uh, listening with us. Uh, you know, as we have taken apart the last bit of season twelve of Doctor Who. I mean, we just had to do it. You know, mm. we're here. We're fans. Believe it or not. Um, hopefully, echoing some of the feelings you've had. Uh, but uh, we'll get back. Yes, we definitely got to get back uh, watching some of the episodes and talking about things we like and what Doctor Who does really, really well, which is. Um, you know, get people like us excited and maybe sometimes too excited to, uh, (laughs) you know, calibrate our expectations properly. Um, But more to come on this. Indeed. Looking forward to it. And that's all we got for this episode. You've been listening to Pull to Open, the podcast where Chris and I talk about Dr. Who and sometimes even like it. I've been Pete Paschal. Uh, You can find me at Pete Paschal on Twitter. The last name is P-A-C-H-A-L. Chris is at Future Boy on Twitter. He's better at the handles than I am, but you can also follow the podcast itself. That is Pull to Open 63 on Yes, the Twitters. We will talk to you next time. Bye bye.